Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, February 6th. With Allied tanks on their way to Ukraine, will it be enough to put Ukraine on the offensive? 348 days into the war with Russia, we get an update on the conflict with Marcus Kolga, founder of DisinfoWatch.org and a senior fellow at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute. Alberta's energy industry is in a transitional phase. What does this mean for workers in the energy sector? We discuss a new report from the Parkland Institute and hear details on their No Worker Left Behind strategy. When it comes to exercise, do you like to take it outside? How about in the winter, though? What you need to know about working out in the great outdoors during the coldest months of the year with Dr. Ted Jablonski. She channels loved ones and gives you insight into your life. She's clairvoyant Kim, and she joins us on this Motivational Monday to explain what she does and offer up some tips to help you reach your goals and live your best life. According to the BBC, Russia is preparing for a spring mobilization and has started mobilizing hundreds of thousands more soldiers, as well as increasing its production of weapons and ammunition. With some insight on the latest in the war in Ukraine, we're joined this morning by Marcus Kolga, founder of DisinfoWatch.org and senior fellow at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute Centre for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. Good morning once again, Marcus. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. We're nearing the one-year mark, and it sounds like uh, there's lots more uh, tanks coming from countries like Canada, for example. But is it going to be fast enough for what appears to be a big mobilization of Russian forces into Ukraine? Well, we can only hope so. I mean, the first tank uh, that Canada has donated, it just was loaded onto an aircraft uh, over the weekend and delivered over over to Ukraine. So um, hopefully... Uh, Ukrainian forces can start using that tank and others that are that are being shipped over quickly to start training on the several hundred that our European allies have committed to uh, sending Ukraine. So hopefully those can get into the field ahead of any sort of spring offensive. Um, but uh, from my understanding, uh, reading a number of reports coming out of Ukraine and uh, and from a number of military institutions in Europe is that um, Ukraine, even if this uh, this new offensive were to begin shortly, uh, you know, some are suggesting that it could begin as early as the end of this month to coincide with that anniversary of the uh, beginning of this phase of Russia's war, um, that Ukraine could hold out. It could hold out for a number of months. Um, you know, we've seen the amazing resilience of the Ukrainian army over the past year. Um, let's not forget that uh, Vladimir Putin, when he started this war on February 24th of last year, he declared that this would be a three-day special operation to denazify that country. Um, we're a year in. And no one thought that Ukraine could hold out this long. Um, and let's not forget that in the fall, that there were a number of counteroffensives that were successful. So I'm confident, and I think a lot of other Western governments are confident that Ukraine can hold out the first wave of any major offensive. Um, and once those, uh, those tanks arrive, um, I think that Ukraine itself can go on the counteroffensive and start pushing back to take back uh, the borders that were violated uh, last February, but also though to restore those borders um, that were established after the Cold War, including you know possibly taking Crimea. To that point with the tanks, Marcus, and uh, by the way, we're speaking with Marcus Kolga, founder of disinfowatch.org, a senior fellow at the McDonald uh, Loyer Institute. Uh, uh, to that point with these tanks and with aid and being uh, you know aided by several countries across the globe, at the beginning of the war, this was frowned upon, and uh, countries were very, there was a lot of trepidation to, to uh, you know, back the Ukrainians in their fight. 
Could we expect blowback for these countries who are helping out? Because that was the, the greatest fear at the beginning. Yeah, no, that that was the greatest fear. And, and unfortunately, that hesitancy uh, to send weapons has actually prolonged this war. Um, you know, we should have been help. We should have been supplying Ukraine with the weapons that it that it needs when Russia first invaded uh, Crimea and Ukraine in 2014. Um, had we done that then, there's no doubt that um, Vladimir Putin's own calculations with regards to this current war would have changed and probably would have deterred um, that invasion that happened in February. So, I mean, it's very clear that the more weapons we send to Ukraine, the greater. Um, you know, if we can increase its ability to defend those borders and to push Russia back, um, you know, the greater chance we have of actually achieving a long-standing peace. Now, as far as blowback is concerned, um, this has been a very effective Russian information operation since 2014. What Vladimir Putin does is he threatens the Western world. Anytime we criticize him, he threatens us with various different actions, including the potential use of nuclear weapons, as uh, former President uh, Dmitry Medvedev has done repeatedly over the past 12 months. And this, of course, um, you know, softened, uh, has the effect of softening our response and our resolve uh, against Russia. So in that sense, it is a very effective and very cheap way of, um, of suppressing our support for Ukraine. We need to get over that. Um, there is no uh, the, the chances of a nuclear war with Russia are very very slim. Um, I've been watching Vladimir Putin for the past 23 years. The one thing that I can tell you for certain is that he is not suicidal. He understands that if he were to engage in any sort of nuclear conflict, even uh, you know uh, shooting a tactical nuclear weapon, this is a small size nuclear weapon that might take out a city, uh, Ukraine would be disastrous for Russia because his uh, trading partners in China and India have both indicated that if he goes nuclear that they can no they will no longer support Vladimir Putin and uh, and that would be a real threat to his power. The one thing that Vladimir Putin wants most though is to stay in power and to uh, make sure that he can uh, protect the the uh, assets that he has stolen from the Russian people over the past 23 years. So I would, you know, pretty much rule out any sort of nuclear conflict. And like I said, we need to get over that fear and make sure that Ukraine has all the weapons it needs, including fighter jets, um, to make sure that, uh, that, the, that Russian forces are pushed back. And uh, like I said, that, that will, that's the only thing that will lead to a sustainable peace in the future. Let's talk about that, Marcus, because the tanks obviously will help with the ground offensive. But in terms of air support, what help is Ukraine getting to secure their airspace? Well, they're, they're, they are getting uh, surface-to-air missiles. The uh, Americans are, of course, sending, uh, I think it's two uh, Patriot batteries uh, to take out those Iranian kamikaze drones that are raining down terror on the Ukrainian people, uh, various different missiles and such. So there is that sort of uh, support that is going to Ukraine, but they do need fighter jets to support their ground offensive. And, uh, you know, Canada, for example, has a an aging fleet of F-18 fighters that no one is going to buy once we have our F-35s delivered in, in three to four years. Um, some of those jets could be sent to Ukraine, and we could you know, train Ukrainian pilots to, to fly those, and they would make a, a, a very big difference. Uh, there are other countries with similar aging aircraft, or we could you know, arrange something with one of those allies who have MiG fighters that 
Ukrainian uh, pilots already trained on and, and make a swap for those, for example, in Poland. Um, so, you know, getting uh, air, further air support, um, you know, uh, shoring up those, those air defenses is, is really critical uh, over the coming months, especially if we want to help uh, Ukraine protect its civilians. Because, like I said, those, uh, those Iranian-made kamikaze drones, the missiles, they are raining down on Ukraine and killing thousands of people right now. We have just less than a minute, Marcus, but I'm wondering, to put you on the spot, with 18 days away to mark one year of this conflict, where is it going? How do you, how do you see this wrapping up? Uh, well, it's, it's really hard to say, but uh, I am confident, uh, and, and I do believe that uh, the Ukrainian forces are strong enough. Uh, they, are, they have proven their resilience. I think that if uh, once that equipment arrived, if we can send them more equipment, I believe that within a year, uh, Ukraine will challenge and could potentially take back uh, the Crimean pen- Peninsula and push back Russian forces to the uh, 1991 borders. Um, I'm confident of that as long as we continue supporting them and sending that, that critically important, uh, those weapons to, to help them do that. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your perspective, Marcus. Appreciate your time this morning. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Marcus Kolga, founder of disinfowatch.org and senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. The term just transition has become triggering for some, but as Alberta's energy industry moves toward a green transition, how can we ensure no worker is left behind? Joining us to discuss is Ian Hussey, Parkland Institute Research Manager. Good morning to you, Ian. Good morning. When we talk about this move toward green energy, this transition, if you will, Ian, what jobs particularly, can you, can you laser in on the jobs that, that could be at stake? Well, on uh, the traditional oil and gas side, we've already lost 35,000 jobs in Alberta uh, since 2014. Those jobs likely aren't coming back because investment hasn't come back to the oil patch and the oil patch is increasing automation to be globally competitive. On the more green, renewable side, uh, we've seen 4,500 jobs come into wind and solar. We've seen increasing investment, including from major corporations that are buying green energy, like Amazon and other major companies that are investing in our province. We've also seen, in my area of the province, in Edmonton, an uptick of 3,500 jobs uh, in hydrogen in Edmonton in the last five years. So there's a lot of positives going on in Alberta and some other um, things in the oil and gas industry that are really related to uh, the global economy and not necessarily local factors. So Ian, should you know, should workers be worried about that just transition phrase then or, or, or are there just other things we need to be moving forward? We just need to look forward and look at the different opportunities that are going to be coming available. I think a lot of the political discourse right now is just that, you know, we're in an election cycle. There's a lot of political theater going on. I mean, workers do need to be concerned that obviously we've lost 35,000 oil and gas jobs since 2014. That's a a large number. Um, But a lot of those workers have actually transitioned into other great employment because they're highly skilled. They have a lot of experience. Um, And so there are a lot of positives with that. But with that transition, they need government support, uh, and our government needs to be looking at the energy transition not as a like black and white issue. Right now, we're really talking about well, it's oil and gas or it's renewable energy, and really for for a number of years to come. And right now, it's it's both. 
you know, global oil demand is only set to peak in 2035. So what we're talking about is, well, we've already lost oil and gas jobs, so we're trying to replace those. But when demand actually goes down eventually in about a decade, you know, where are communities that are relying on oil and gas? Where are those workers going to find support? Where are they going to find new investment and new employment? And that planning and um, that investment um, attraction is really happening now. That's why we need political leadership now on these issues. Speaking with Ian Hussey, Parkland Institute Research Manager. And yes, that number staggering, 35,000 jobs lost since 2014. And you mentioned that a lot of those workers have transitioned because they are skilled. When it comes to those skills, Ian, what I'm wondering is, do those skills and would they transfer to, to green energy? Are there opportunities that would be a very good fit as far as what these workers were doing and their skill set? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, workers in the building trades, uh, operating engineers that, that operate heavy equipment like cranes. Um, those skills are transferable to building a hospital. They're transferable to building a hydrogen plant. You know, pipelines are still going to be needed in, in um, a shifting energy landscape, whether you're moving um, carbon that's been captured, whether you're moving hydrogen in those pipes. Um, or, you know, building new transmission lines for building out green electricity. Um, those are electricians, they're welders, um, they're construction trades. And, and on top of that, if we have that base of skilled labor, then we still need our healthcare workers, our, our food workers, and, and all the rest of our economy. So it, it's really about figuring out where the world is going and moving with it so we don't get left behind. And Ian, do you feel like the Alberta government is doing enough or is it a hindrance to come out with, you know, an opposition to something like just transition or or are we doing enough in the province of Alberta to sort of prepare, get our workers ready, get moving and go kind of with the times? Uh, I, I, I would say the government's doing a lot of positive things. Uh, the UCP continued the NDP program around attracting uh, attracting investment in petrochemicals. That's That's been huge for uh, the Edmonton and surrounding area in the last uh, five to ten years. We've attracted billions of dollars investment, thousands of jobs in construction, uh, a number in operation in, in those chemical plants. That's, that's really important for the Edmonton regional economy. Uh, now you're seeing in, in Calgary, uh, the government has just come, the, the city government has just come out with a high hydrogen plan. Uh, on a provincial level, you know, the UCP has done some positive things in energy. Uh, they've developed a hydrogen plan. They've developed a critical minerals plan. You know, but I, I think that the negative thing right now is with the political theater, because we're in an election cycle, we have Daniel Smith and some of her ministers fighting with the federal government and not coming to the table uh, where the federal government has been planning for a year now around uh, new jobs and investment in diversifying energy. And the Alberta government really needs to be at those tables along with organized labor, uh, nonprofits, and others who are already there, indigenous governments are already there, uh, to be part of those conversations. We, we need our provincial government to show leadership in that realm. All right, we're going to have to leave it there for time, but thank you so much, Ian. We appreciate it. Thank you. That is Ian Hussey, Parkland Institute Research Manager. We've all seen it on those bitterly cold stretches in winter. You're driving your car with a heater on blast, doing everything you can to stay warm in the car. And then out of the corner of your eye, you <laughs> spot that brave soul going for their daily run while the wind chill is howling at minus 30 or colder. Is there a danger in exercising outdoors when it's cold? To discuss it, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. What do we need to know? Are there concerns to be uh, worried about when it comes to working out outside in the winter? 
Yes, absolutely. But um, to answer your question, no, there's not really a problem. And and out of the corner of your eye, that was probably me. Okay. <laughs> you are a big <laughs> so runner, aren't you? Great. You run. Do you run all year long, Doctor J? Yeah, I do run through the winter. I, I I pick my spots, and I guess this is the 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 part of this spot today is. If you want to exercise through the winter, you have to be meticulous about this. You have to be really pay attention to details, and we're talking weather, uh, temperature, wind. Um, did it snow? Did it not snow? Just everything about your outdoor um, sort of route you have to know about because that'll define where you're going today, how long you're going to go, what you need to do to prepare is there a plan B if things fall through? It's just everything. If you're really meticulous about it, there's absolutely no reason why you can't exercise even down to quite, quite low temperatures. So can you break it down for us a bit? What is your, yeah. how do you plan your outdoor workout? So uh, so depending on temperature and depending, so in Calgary, because it can be quite windy, I find the wind factor is actually more crucial sometimes than the actual temperature because that'll get give you that wind chill. So uh, and I also, the key is you try to run into the wind to start. If it's a, a more of a direct route, say, uh, out and back. If it's a circular route, it's going to be a little bit different. But you try not to get, uh, you try to run into the wind first when it's a little bit colder and then have the wind at your back coming home. But I layer up. I have uh, fabrics that are, that are truly wickable. So uh, you don't want to get wet. If you get wet when you're running, get very sweaty, get very wet. That's when you can get very, very cold. If you can always uh, have fabric that's wickable, if you will always have layers and open up. So the key to running in the winter is actually to staying just a little bit warmer than you really have to and not getting overly warm. So if you uh, bundle up too much, you have to start getting rid of those layers. Um, but if you don't have enough layers, you're going to get into real trouble. So more is better than less, but <laughs> open up when you keep going. Know your route. Take a cell phone. Uh, sometimes you have to you have to dump out of it like you're expecting a much longer uh, a sort of a much longer workout if it's really really nasty really really bad you come home quicker you make your route so it's not really really far from home you're always staying fairly close uh, so that you can do that and if you know those are some simple rules to to get started uh, but there's no reason why you can't do it. <laughs> Okay, just before we let you go, we got about 30 seconds left. Are there benefits to working out in cold weather that we might not see in, in hotter temperatures or, or mild temperatures? Uh, I would say no. <laughs> I, I think it's just the notion of being outside and keeping to a routine as opposed to hibernating and doing nothing. And I don't like working out inside, so I'm just not going to do anything for a few months. That's the benefit of going outside and just doing it. So you just keep out there and enjoying the, uh, the fresh air and the sunshine. Well, good on you to you and your other fellow brave souls that are out there exercising, no matter what the weather is. Thanks for your time this morning, Dr. J. Okay, you betcha. Appreciate it. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Today is Motivational Monday, a chance for you to get motivated today and beyond. Each week, we have a guest join us to share their motivational tips and tricks. Today, we're joined by clairvoyant Kim. Kim Dennis. Hi, Kim. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How what are you? What a pleasure to see you. Bright Thanks and early. For Thanks for coming into the studio. My pleasure. And, you know, you, I know you channel loved ones. I do. And you just, I just, did. you just <laughs> flabbergasted Andy because you just, out of the blue, said, who is... Phyllis. Phyllis. I was like, I was looking at him and he said, yeah. I was like, who Phyllis? Phyllis. Phyllis is here. So, Even what you do, Kim. Thank Having you. said that, yeah. 
I am also that skeptic who thinks back to how could Kim know this? This is li- this is a live show. This is real. My uh, grandma passed away, I think it's two or three years ago. I wasn't all that close with her, particularly over the past several years, because she was in a facility uh, suffering from Alzheimer's dementia to the point where the last time we saw her, she had trouble remembering who we were, unless my dad was with us, because that's her son, obviously. And I'm thinking back. Is on, he gone too? Pardon me? Is he gone too? Yeah, he passed in, in 2019. And um, the thing about it is, I, on my social media, I did not post her whole bit. There's no connection. She does not have the same last name as I do. So, so Kim I, wouldn't know. I, yeah, you would have no idea. No. This is not her. I can't even believe it. I just rolled and, out of bed. And, and you know what? Phyllis <laughs> is not the most common no, name. No, no. She wow. was just in my ear when you were talking to me. That's crazy. Just before That's this, awesome. it was like, I was saying, who's Phyllis? Who's Phyllis? Who's Phyllis? It just feels when like I asked you here. twice, I'm like, no, I was talking about my friend Glenn, who's Glenn, a mutual yes, friend. Stevenson, I said, no, yeah. no, not Phyllis. It's Glenn's name. And you kept asking me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you talking Andy's about? Andy's floored now. <laughs> I'm floored. I'm gonna, just gonna go and Kim has floor. done it again. Yeah, now he can't talk for the rest no, of the radio. So it's exactly. Exactly. No. Hey, Kim, tell us what, what exactly then? So what's a clairvoyant? What exactly Well, you know, a clairvoyant Kim is just sort of a name that actually was given to me the first time I was on the radio. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm a medium. Clairvoyant Kim just sounds nice together. But yep. clairvoyant means clear seeing. So you see a clearer picture. Clear picture. But I'm a medium, so I channel people who are loved ones who are crossed over like Phyllis, like Phyllis, and give you sort of evidence that they're still with us. You don't really die. You just change form. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, obviously can't bring anybody back, but I try to bring it down to earth so it's not all scary and woo-hoo-hoo-y and, and that you feel more comfortable that you just create a different relationship with the people who are gone. So that's all well and good to say, but I try to give them evidence, you know, things that they did that day or whatever, that there's no way that I would know mm-hmm. to let them know that their loved ones are still there. It really helps with grief, as you might imagine. Oh, I would think really so. really helps, really helps with grief, you know, because, um, you know, our loved ones aren't as gone as we think that they mm-hmm. are. And we all want to yeah. feel and like that they're around us. They right? are. You know, they are around us. And you know, you don't I talk myself out of a job. You don't have to go to a medium. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, you have those moments where you're like, oh, that makes me think of dad or that makes me think of grandma or or whoever. Stay in that moment because that's them. That's why you're having that. Mm, you go throughout your day and, you know, every, what happens and you're like, oh. It makes me think of my dad or grandma. It's them. Stay in that moment. That's why you're. That's why you're there, and it's not tangible. So it's really easy to talk yourself out of something that's just happened, right? So you go, oh, you know, I was just looking for it, and it showed up. Actually, that's how everything happens. <laughs> we can go to that to manifesting, mm-hmm. right? So that's why you're having that moment. So you are any reoccurring thought. You know, you think, why am I thinking about this person who's crossed over all day, or whatever? It's because they're giving you a nudge, right? They're trying to give you a little poke to let you know that they're there. It's usually a reoccurring thought memory. There's lots of different ways that are unique to them, but those are the most common I love ways. That. But Kim, we'll, we'll give ourselves as an example. I'm not yeah. sure exactly, Sue, but I'm going to hit it pretty close uh, on the nail here. For us, we 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 both like to talk. We probably yeah. liked music, and you know, we had no problem getting in front of crowds. So, so media, and also we're not employable anywhere else. So media <laughs> was a good that. fit. But for you, how do you yeah. you take this on, and, and it becomes your life work and a profession? Did you know? How did this it start? Your, like? Yeah, like how how do you start and say, oh, this is this is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, it was progressive. When I look back, when I look back, it was always there. I can even I can even little moments when I was like five or six years old, probably my early memory. But my most the biggest thing that happened at 13, I started having out of body experiences, and I had them almost every day, night. I had a lot of naps as a teenager. Good you know, you. yeah. And you know what? I had them more when I had naps because it was a lighter sleep. But I started having out of body experiences and. I mean, I had them almost every day, night for 10 years. 
for 10 years. And most of the time, like I had lots, but most of the time I didn't go anywhere. I just went around my bedroom and, and I looked, I'd looked down and see myself pe- sleeping peacefully. And, it's, and when I look back, I was never frightened. I never thought I was going to die. Did you ever tell anyone? Like, did you tell your parents? I did. I told my mom and I told my aunt, uh, my aunt Donna, who I was really close to, and my mom. I, they were the ones that I, that I told about. About and a couple times I went to a higher place, which had to be heaven, right? And I guess I had to visit it to tell people that you know we all go there. And you know, it's everything that you've heard and more. Like it's just the feeling of being peace and and unconditional love and harmony and everything the way it's supposed to be. And I could hear like it almost sounded like a spa, but I couldn't hear any water. Oh, I like like, that idea. I know it was just like it was like (laughs) like a babbling brook, and I saw colors that don't exist here. I can't recall them, but I know I saw them. It's the weirdest thing. And if I, 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 I've tried numerous times to go there, you know, meditatively, but they're like, yeah, sorry, no. Mm. The door's closed. But I know that I saw them. I saw them. And I saw my grandparents, my dad's parents, who were lovely people. I uh, saw them, but they had been in a nursing home for the last two years, kind of like your grandma. And when I saw them, they looked like my elderly grandparents, but they weren't sick anymore. You know, they weren't That's beautiful. Me. That makes me feel good. Absolutely. It is. So you never, ever worry about anybody who's crossed over grief. Yes, you've got to process it and work through it. But don't add anything on like wondering if they're, you know, if grandma can can remember everything or there's no wheelchairs on the other side. You know, one of the few famous people I channeled was Christopher Reeve. Oh, really? Yes, because he filmed uh, Superman here yeah, in yeah. Calgary, yeah, right? The first one, yeah. And one of his friends came for a reading. So I always use him. I hope he doesn't mind, buddy. As an example, like if Superman isn't in a wheelchair and flying, nobody is. And nobody's in a wheelchair. No, and and we get that because you don't take your physical body, right? So yeah. people get that. Makes sense. But also mental health gets healed. You know, it does. You know, people who took their own lives or struggled with mental health or addiction, all that gets healed as well, too. Huh. So that's yeah. beautiful. Another out there question. Yeah. Do we, so you're living in that plane of, of heaven or what you want to call it, the afterlife. Yeah. yeah. Do we make a comeback to to earth yeah. at all? Yes, in yes. What my form? belief, my belief, you mean, do we reincarnate? Is yeah. that what you, yes, absolutely. The idea is that there's many lives behind us and many still in front of us. Nobody's on their last life. That said, I, I, my spin is it's got to be like 80 or 100 life years before we, cro- right before we reincarnate. Because I read for a lot of old gals in their 80s and their grandmas come through, right? Their grandmas come through. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who have had more lives, hence the old soul. Yes. The old soul. Um, nobody's any less. Just some people have had more lives. Do you know the easiest way to pick out an old soul in the everyday world? Old souls are naturally drawn to the service of others. Interesting. They're the teachers. Does it make sense? Yes. No, you just feel it. It resonates been, with you. Yeah. They're the teachers, the nurses, the social workers. People work with animals and stuff. Because everything you make other people feel comes back to you. What mm-hmm. goes around really does come around that's karma so on that note do you think then that we keep coming back because there's something we've not accomplished we haven't finished right Right. so we all come here to learn right it's like earth is a big school we're all taking different classes we're all learning different lessons no mistakes in life only lessons but lessons are repeated till you get them Mm. and learning never ends and when you can't learn anything more this time around you cross over that's when you're called back home that's when you're called back home learning continues on the other side so when you've come here to accomplish what your soul has come to do this time around, yeah, that's when you cross over and go back. And the idea is that learning continues on the other side. Most of the stuff is a mystery. I know a little bit more than the average person, but most of, the so. stuff, yeah, most of the stuff is a mystery. And then I guess there's every life, there's some place or nirvana perfection we're all kind of striving for. But yeah. even the Dalai Lama says, oh, I'm coming back. Says, have you I'm found that done. place? Yes. But, Can you no, tell us where it is? Not. How do we get there? No, I have not, <laughs> unless I'm talking to my kids. But yeah. Back with clairvoyant Kim, Kim Dennis. Kim, thanks for being in with us on this Motivational Monday. And in terms of motivation, can you kind of give us a, a little lead in here? How can we make the best out of 2023 spirituality wise well i think just like
the day, the year, the month or whatever, go into it believing that it's going to be your best. Thoughts become things. Mm. Thoughts become things. You've got to tell yourself that over and over again. And if you even go into your money thing, oh, Monday, the beginning of the week or whatever, uh, you know, you'll drag your butt through it. Kind of you law of attraction, well, right? Yeah, law of attraction. If you think it's going to be a great day, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to start the week off with a bang. It's going to be fantastic. That'll be your week as well, too. You, you literally get what you expect. Even think if you, like, stub your toe in the morning, cliche, right? And you're like, oh, that's it. You know, it's going to be a crappy day. It will be. You'll get the lousy person at Safeway. You'll get the grouchy person at, at the bank. You'll get somebody flipping you the bird or whatever. And you'll be like, I knew what I was right. You absolutely were. But if you had stubbed your toe and said, that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me today. I got that behind me. Everything else is going to be great. That will be your day as well, too. Love it. You, you set the intention. Mm-hmm. And your mood as well, too. Like draws like, right? Everything carries a vibe. So if you go in and it, with a happy, you don't have to be like doing cartwheels, but a happy place and happy to be where you are and at work or whatever. Everything will flow. And not everything perfect, but everything will flow. And if something doesn't go right, you'll be able to deal with it. You will. So go into it. Go into it, yeah, believing that it's going to be your best day, your best day yet. A lot of people don't get a chance to have a Monday. Ain't that the truth? You know, that's right. You You woke up today. You woke up today. There's always something. And that's it. If you can take a few minutes in the morning to be grateful for what's going right, you woke up. You know, if you can walk on your own two feet, you're breathing on your own, you know, whatever. Focus on the things that are going right. Those right things will continue to grow and other good things will come in do you think that the average person i'm obviously uh, kim we'll give you a website uh, coming up or your facebook sure. and people can get a hold of you but do you think the average person could train themselves perhaps not to be a clairvoyant uh, perhaps not to be a medium but have more of a spiritual experience is that in all of yes. us that we can yes. connect yes stop thinking and feel more that's it like honestly it's 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 through life it's not what you think it's what you feel how does something feel right and if you go by like you never have to guess your way through life all the answers about you are inside of you right and you know most of the time too what we think and feel is the same thing looks good feels good looks bad feels bad but if you're ever thinking one thing but start to get a different feeling the universe has your back Right. And if you start getting a different feeling, listen to the feeling. And if you don't, you'll go, oh, I knew I should have done this and, or I shouldn't have done that. And all you do is learn from it. Right. But your feelings guide you. We make so much work for ourselves. So much work for ourselves. And think of if, if something's going wrong, too, and you're all upset. and You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, you actually do. Calm down. Calm down. As soon as you do or distract yourself, like, oh, there it is. I'm like, no, it was always there. You just couldn't get to it because thinking is so much louder than feeling. The noise of the world and all that mind chatter will drown out that inner voice, the voice of God, the real you, your soul, if you let it. And you know what? I kind of learned that that listen to that inner voice always uh, sadly through oprah but i'm just saying um do you like we all have that right is we that, all have that is it all a yes. sort of a sense of, of it clairvoyance is. That's in a way the real you you know look the soul always feels young whether in a body like us or outside a body like somebody who's crossed over that's why as a person gets older they always say oh i feel like the same young person on the inside that's the real you it that's your soul you never hear a 20 year old say that because it feels the same mm-hmm. so you're not any age but the way to equate it is that you're like in the 20s like in your prime of your life that's 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 where that's where you are when you cross when you cross over so but i mean we're wiser and stuff like that but that's the real you and that part of you is your soul that you have the inner dialogue with that you talk to and you have a personality and you have your soul and when they line up you're on your way man 
is is it different anyway is it different if somebody just passed away in your life or does it matter if uh, you know somebody passed away 30 years ago when you No, you know um no i mean i can they can come through i've picked up on somebody less than an hour after they passed wow. yeah i, I want to hear that story but i did it less than an hour before i passed now if they've been gone longer they get more to say you know they do they do but i there is no wait time i always tell it's whenever the person coming to me is ready right. you know some people want to hear from their loved one like right away you know and some people's like you know what i need a little bit of time i'm like it's different for everybody mm-hmm. but for the spirit for the spirit they can they can come through and like i said i had somebody come through less than an hour that's and amazing. she was in sweden we could, we could have you on every monday from now on that, right. that's <laughs> it's motivational monday with kim dennis <laughs> thank you so much for joining us we we'll oh, send people pleasure. to your website clairvoyantkim.com or yes. on facebook yes. Clairvoyant Kim. Clairvoyant Kim. You can find out more information, book a reading, whatever you like. My pleasure, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, anytime. Kim Dennis, Clairvoyant Kim.